Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? for tuning into this week's episode of the Imagine More podcast. Today, I'm so excited to welcome my friend Brooke Beach on the show. She's the founder and CEO of Market Wake. They're a digital agency that focuses on sharing stories and building brands. She's a serial entrepreneur, previous CEO at a technology company. She's a sought-after leader in the industry, and she has a huge passion for helping businesses and leaders grow. Let's jump in. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the Imagine More podcast. Hi, this is so good to be here. I'm really excited to talk with you. We are excited too. And I'm eager to learn a little bit more about your journey in entrepreneurship and what spurred you to start your company. And I guess to dive right in and, and kick off with that, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about Market Wake? And then we can talk more about history after that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Market Week, I'll start actually with um, our story. So people always ask about our name. Um, why is it called Market Week? And you know, people say, are you in the funeral business? Wake? What is it? Is it Market Wave? Um, and it actually started, I was trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do. And I knew that I had this calling to start this business, but I wasn't sure what it would look like or what it would be called or how would I would even go about doing it. And so I was actually... Um, taking a weekend to just think about it, contemplate, plan it, and was at a lake house and woke up early one morning and went out to the dock and was just um, watching the sunrise. And these boats would go by and, you know, these big fishing boats. And it was really beautiful. There was like this mist on the lake um, and the water was perfectly still. And then these boats would kind of go by and um, going off for their morning fishing and just sitting, thinking. And all of a sudden, this bass boat goes by and it's this tiny, literally the tiniest boat that I saw all day. Uh, and it goes by about the same speed as all those big boats. And yet it made a wake so large that it shook the dock. Um, and I said, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to help small businesses leave a wake in the market so big that it leaves an impact. Um, and that was the, the really foundation of market wake. Um, so through that, you know, one of the reasons why I decided to start it was just this discontent of modern day agencies. Um, I've worked with a lot of agencies in the past and none of them really seemed to get my business. You know, they would do things in silos, but none of them really asked me, where are you going in this business? What are your goals? What do you want to achieve? And, and then how can we help come alongside of you? It was more just, um, okay, well, we can do this in a silo and didn't really know how it impacted the business as, as a whole. Um, so Market Week started as a strategy first agency. Um, we come alongside every single client as true partners in their business. Um, we get to know their highs, their lows, what they need to do, what they need to stop doing, what their goals are. Um, and then from understanding their business goals, we activate different marketing channels to best achieve that. Um, so we do implement a lot of those tactics or we work alongside that team to um, kind of co-implement. Um, but I love it because we truly are their partners. I mean, we're invited to their holiday parties and um, to their get-togethers. So they see us as the, just an extended version of their marketing team. That's amazing. I love the story about the bass boat. And I um, I think that's very impactful about just the small ripples that um, you know an outside firm can have, but like the large impact. So I'm glad that you shared that piece. 
what did you do before Market Week? Oh my, well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, a little bit of everything. Don't know how much time we have there. Uh, so I graduated from the University of Georgia. Very proud to have done that. And uh, right after I graduated, yeah, I grew up in Georgia and then I went to UGA and I was, you know, swore there was no way that I was going to stay in Georgia. I was just, I was going to go spread my wings and find something amazing. Um, so I ended up working with a company based out in California and I was hired to lead nationwide PR campaigns for Fortune 500 companies. Uh, we toured 32 weeks a year, which is just outrageous to be on the road 32 weeks a year. I mean, I was definitely homeless for sure, because you don't really have a home base. You're in a new hotel almost every single night, but it was absolutely amazing. I learned so much from the whole process. I graduated with a degree in PR. This was in PR. Um, but over the course of you know the couple of years that I did that, just realized I did not love PR as much as I thought that I was going to love PR and that I really liked the the business development side. You know, how do I bring something to market, not necessarily clean up after the fact, or uh, how can I make business decisions and not just, not just communicate them? So through a lot of time alone thinking about my future, uh, decided to head back to Georgia. And you know, the great thing about that whole tour is I saw pretty much every state and got to, to get that travel bug out of the way, uh, moved back here, ended up working for a large company and then transitioned to a startup, uh, through that startup, moved up the ranks from, you know, just marketing associate to marketing manager to marketing director to the point where I was pretty much working side by side with the CEO at the time, uh, the company was a startup and all startups go through different times of pivot. The company started to kind of go through that time of pivot and realized, you know, I'd kind of hit my, my ceiling there. So I uh, was leaving to start Market Wake. And during that time, the CEO at the time, he actually asked me to step in and be the CEO of the company while it was going through that pivot, wow. which was wild. Um, so did not expect that at all. But also in talking through it, realized... I could learn so much. I mean, it was way over my head, but I think that that's something that, you know, women especially have a hard time doing is actually stepping into a role that they're not necessarily equipped for. Um, men have no problem doing it. Yeah. I step in and say, absolutely. I'll take that role. And, and women try to meet all of the qualifications beforehand. Uh, so decided, you know, I might not be 100% qualified, but I'm, I'm going to learn and I'm going to figure it out. And I'm going to surround myself with mentors to actually help me through this process. So became the CEO and we were able to turn it around from really negative. I mean, we were giving away refunds to all the customers because we were sunsetting a product to positive in revenue. We launched an entirely new platform, got to a positive mark in 15 months, which was a whole lot faster than I thought we would do it. And a lot of that is the team. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So then you um, kind of hit head of mark and you were like, okay, I'm going to step down and start this company. Um, was that received well from that team? Uh, and did they ha did you have to put together a transition plan? Such a good question. Um, so I had actually started Market Week before mm -hmm. becoming the CEO of that company. So it was the first hard decision that I had to make was actually kind of pausing market wake. So I had stepped away from that company, became the CEO or started market wake, had a bunch of customers, had a pretty sizable business and then um, brought a partner in. Then I was asked to be the CEO of this company. And so it was, that was the first 
horribly hard decision to sit down across the the table from my partner and say, Hey, I know that I convinced you to quit your job and follow me. Now I have this great opportunity and I'm going to leave you. You know, that's not anything you take lightly, but together we were able to say, all right, the experience of, of building a product, um, especially when you look at product versus services, I clearly adore services. Um, but there is something really special about product and the scalability there. Uh, so what could I learn? And is that valuable enough to say, we're, we're going to not necessarily pause market wake, but just keep it, maintain it. And while I go build this to take all of those insights back into market wake. So we decided that, and actually I'll tell you, so the first day that I stepped in as CEO there, um, I had to let go pretty much everybody. One of the people that I had to let go was actually in my own wedding. Oh no. Which was (laughs) (laughs) not the most pleasant conversation in the entire world. Uh, Yeah. So that was a very, very hard season because I would, I would work all day long and then come home at night and be helping grow market week. Uh, so when that time came, you know, it was a, it was actually a pretty easy decision for me to say, and, and the team uh, at Kevy, they, they always knew that I had market week. And so they knew once we got to a good place, that was going to be the transition period. Um, so once we did get to that good place, you know, it was a pretty easy decision for me to say, all right, here, I'm handing it back over. Cause at the end of the day, it wasn't my company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was someone else's company. I was just stepping in as the CEO for a while. Uh, market week was my company. I started that. That was all, you know, the, the blood, sweat and tears went into that. Um, and I owned it. So that was an easier transition actually to go back into market week than it was to leave. Now is your business partner still at market week? And, and maintained during that time period? Uh, yes, she is. She's fantastic. Um, so she she stepped in as interim CEO uh, and was able to really maintain and keep all of our clients. We didn't lose a single client during that 15 months, which is completely credited to her. She did a phenomenal job. And then when I came back, um, she moved into what she really is passionate about, which is creative. So she now leads our entire creative department and I'm back as CEO. Okay. Um, one thing that kind of stood out is the fact that the first day you had to have a series of very, um, not fun conversations and, um, and not that they're ever fun, but was it easier in someone else's company to have those tough conversations or, you know, if you've ever had to let someone go and you're in market wake, is it the same feelings or does it get any easier? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does not get any easier. You know, in some ways, actually, it was harder um, then, yes, I have let people go in Market Week as well. It was almost harder, Kevi, because because it wasn't mine. It was like that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. of you know stepping in and saying, "All right, I'm the boss now, and you're fired, and you're fired, and you're fired." Versus when it's yours, you know exactly why you're having to do it. It is because of costs or projections or just a bad fit all around, and you own all of the responsibility. When you're just kind of the mouthpiece or you don't know your footing there yet. You know, I, I didn't know my footing there yet. And I still had to do that. Um, and six months before that, before I had left, I was their peer. So that was another hard thing of, you know, I was their peer, I left, and now I am the one that's letting them go. Um, that was really, really hard to look them in the face and say, I know that we were on an equal playing field. And now you're the one that's gone. Um, so no, that was, it was definitely some of the hardest conversations I've ever had to have. But such, but such, I imagine like impactful, um, 
moments and learning opportunities. Um, because in business, you do have to make those tough decisions. So might as well just kind of get thrown into it and navigate from there. You do. And just being self-aware of knowing, you know, what you are and are not great at. Uh, I realized really early on what my strengths were and had no problem finding people to surround myself to, to fill in where I had weaknesses. Um, and I think in talking with a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders, that's something that sometimes takes people a long time to figure out. And I had seen that happen too many times. So, you know, when I stepped into that role, realizing I'm, I'm really good at this, I'm really bad at this, I'm going to, I'm going to fill in those places with people who are smarter than I am um, to help me do this well. Um, it was helpful. Yeah, I, I bet. I mean, speaking of those strengths, what would you say are the top strengths that you think have been really beneficial in, you know, being in that CEO role and also starting Market Wake? Uh, I would say vision. Vision is so important. You go through really hard times of doubt, of figuring out, especially when people are on your payroll and you are looking them and every single morning and realizing they have families and kids and lives and the way that you manage your business is going to impact those lives. It's much bigger than yourself. Uh, so I think having vision and persistence to go achieve that vision uh, is really, really important. Uh, also, just steadfastness. So it, not every day is a great day, but in no way do I wake up and wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Um, I know where I'm headed and there is a dedication there that I think is really, really valuable. Um, I'm not amazingly good at operations. I've realized that. So all of the details of how things get done and the hiring process and making sure uh, just truly the operations of the business, I that is not my strength. Uh, and so I have hired people around me to, to put some process in place because you kind of need those processes in business. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I would love to dive into you initially mentioned um, when explaining Market Wake about how you truly integrate yourselves as part of the team. And I, I there's so much value in that. And I think that's amazing. And I would love to dive a little bit into how how you guys do that. I mean, I'm even thinking just from like the tactical side, do you adopt their software? Um, how do you make it really easy for them to to embrace you and your team? That's a good question. We do. So, I mean, we, we, the first four to six weeks, we are at that, even if they're off site, which happens a lot. I mean, we're there with them on site. We have face-to-face -face meetings. We get to know everyone on their team, not just the marketing team. So we get to know their CEO. We get to know their head of sales. We get to know their uh, head of success or cl um, client management because think about it, sales, you have to have a relationship if you're in if you're in marketing because the sales team you know you hand those leads off to sales and you got to know if those were good or bad mm -hmm. leads uh, for client success those are the people who are hearing the good bad and the ugly about that company's product so they know what is or is not sellable they know when clients get the most upset and they know what things they love the most, um, which we can take all of those messages and pour it at, into marketing. But because of that, we position ourselves as really advocates of each one of those teams where I think traditionally a lot of businesses deal with animosity between departments. Marketing is at odds with sales, client services and client success is always at odds with sales because they're having to clean up if sales oversold or undersold something. Um, and then, you know, 
client success and marketing sometimes work together, but you know, sometimes they say, oh, marketing thinks that they're better than us. So there's a lot of dissension. And we come in as that neutral group who finds value in all of them, which means that the whole business actually starts to function better as a whole. Um, so we've seen that happen time and time again, where we're able to play that neutral card of, I don't know what has happened in the past, but here's what's going to happen moving forward. We value your insight. We value your opinion. Um, we're going to take what we can and actually build a more comprehensive plan out of it. Uh, but more than that, we like mm -hmm. our clients. We don't take, we don't accept just any client. Uh, we have to know that it's going to be a good fit for us as well. And I think realizing that early on was, has also been helpful. We have had to fire a few bad fit clients. We're realizing, you know, just the culture is not the same as our culture. And because we embed our culture into theirs, if it's a negative culture is just, is not going to work for us because that affects mm -hmm. my entire team. So we now are a little bit more selective in the clients that we take on. We know that they're going to work well with us. We're going to work well with them. And at least, you know, it's nice that we're in a point, point where we can be selective. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking on, you know, meeting with, let's say that sales team, do you ever find that there are roadblocks as you start that discovery phase of, ooh, well, they actually are not doing a good job about, of selling it or maybe that person's not the right fit in the role. And then do you have a place in that conversation so that you could feel that, you know, your work will actually be effective or kind of in that pre-qualifying piece, that's where you usually weed that out or uncover that before you start working with them? Oh, uh, that's a really good question. And uh, honestly, I would say we we navigate that on a case-by-case -case basis because sometimes you can't see from the get-go. You know, we would like to be able to see all of that, but a lot of it is once you start digging. Uh, we have had some conversations um, where we've noticed things are not getting done or things are slipping through the cracks and have had to bring that up at different points. And you know, we're really careful when we say that because typically our opinions carry a whole lot of weight with our clients. And so uh, we never point something out unless we are really, really positive that it is going to negatively impact our work or the work or mm -hmm. the direction that our client wants to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been through clients have let laid off their own employees and kept us as an agency, which that alone is amazing because, you know, most of the time, if you're going through layoffs, then the agency is mm -hmm. the first one to go. Uh, but we've been able to weather that storm just because we really, really like our clients. We value that relationship. We'll be the shoulder to cry on if needed. And then we'll also give some tough uh, feedback if needed Are you, as well. Do you ever find yourself kind of in a role where um, sometimes also the punching bag when they're stressed about something else yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I, <laughs> yes. I mean, we're also the easiest people to blame. So oh, yeah. this went wrong. <laughs> Market week. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we know at the end of the day when, when things are stressful, uh, the great thing is we know the quality of our work, which makes it to where when, when we become the punching bags, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, well, we'll talk tomorrow and things will be better. Uh, yeah, it so it's it's less personal. <laughs> when I imagine in those times, and at least it is for us as well, um, those challenging conversations, we lean so much then back on our culture, and um, we pump each other up, and we're also supportive. And um, speaking of culture, what would you say you and your team do really well on the culture piece? 
Oh, we laugh. We laugh all the time at the stupidest, smallest things in the entire world. And it just makes for a really, really fun culture. We find ourselves very funny. Um, there's a lot of humor in the office. No one takes themselves too seriously. I mean, it. I would say there isn't an hour that goes by where you don't hear some extreme burst of laughter, which was our neighbors were not huge fans of that when we first moved in. They literally <laughs> complained to our landlord. Um, there's too much laughter happening. And my landlord was like, are you kidding me? You hate joy. How can you hate joy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Fun neighbor. Yeah. yeah. Not the best. Um, but we do, we, we laugh all the time. And I think that that carries you through so much because mistakes are going to happen. You are going to have a typo in that post or, you know, maybe something got crossed wires, miscommunicated, uh, something is going to happen. And if you're able to take a step back, learn from it, but then laugh about it and say, okay, we're moving on as a team. What did we learn? It's, it's less likely that you're going to make that mistake again than the pressure of, I cannot believe you did that. And then all of a sudden the focus is the mistake. And then instead of the focus of being what you learned from that mistake. Uh, so in that, we're able to move on quickly and learn quickly. I love that. How do you look for that in new teammates? Oh, I hate hiring. I really do. It is absolutely, <laughs> honestly, my least favorite thing about uh, having a business, but it's necessary. Uh, so we have a multi-step interview process uh, where you know we first do a phone interview, then we bring them in um, for more technical skill interview, or maybe we have them, if they're going to be a writer, we have them write, or they're going to be a developer, or maybe we have them code. Uh, then we bring them in for culture. And typically the culture is around our big table. People come in and out of the room. So we make it really casual. It does not feel like an interview. And we intentionally have people come in and out of the room. They, they come in at different points. They leave at different points to make it feel like a working environment. And we just hang out and have fun and laugh. And there are some people who pass out with flying colors and there are other people who cannot handle that kind of environment or um, they they don't carry themselves well or they get too, so relaxed that their true colors show. Um, so creating that really organic environment to see who they really are because day one, you're going to see who they really are. Um, so we try to pull that out as early as possible. I love that. We have a similar step where we do a final coffee and it's a casual conversation around our conference table. Uh, but I really do like that piece of coming in and out. Um, and I mean, internally as a team beforehand, do you guys discuss like, okay, hey, can you pop in for the first five minutes? You're the next 10. Or is it really just like depending on the meetings that that your team has already? We do. So we have, we typically have one or two people who lead it. And then I just tell everybody, hey, go in and stop in at some point in time. Eh, not everybody, the people who are relevant to that, that role. Um, mm -hmm. go in and stop in, talk for as much as you want, stay for as much as you want, go in and um, work in there. Sometimes, sometimes people will work on their computer during an interview, which people are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. But it's a working environment. We want them to feel so the conversation's always flowing, but maybe someone's typing on their computer or sending an email while it's happening. Um, so two people are typically the lead and they carry the conversation and then the others will come in, um, get to know that person and then pop out. And so it just, it, it, the other thing that I really like about that method is it lets us know how they are with unpredictable scenarios. In an agency, there's going to be a lot of unpredictable scenarios and I really wanna see how they adapt and how well they flow with change or, or unknown. And some people really don't like the idea of people coming in and maybe answering an email. You know, they, 
they you can see in their body language and the way that they they're it's almost like they're offended uh which is not going to work and other people get so casual that they're saying things that are yeah, inappropriate, which that's not going to work either. Um, so the people who are a little bit more adaptable and flexible to a changing environment are the ones that shine. I love that. And I know this is your least probably favorite topic, so we won't spend too much time on it. (laughs) (laughs) But do you have a favorite interview question that is kind of that shining light of, you know, that if they say something like right away, you know, with that question? Yeah, one of my favorites is actually, um, if your best friend could describe you in three words, what would it be? And the reason I love that is because it's not about them. So, you know, mm-hmm. the way that I describe myself is pretty perfect and amazing and dedicated. And <laughs> um, But their best friend, they might have a different view or a close friend. How would they describe you? So we, we, I mean, shockingly get really honest answers um, to the point where I've had one person say, oh yeah, well, he would say I'm, I'm pretty lazy, uh, not super motivated. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're telling me this. But, <laughs> but mm-hmm. that to say, I mean, in a working environment, we are friends. And so if your friends are saying something about you, then it's probably true true in some point. Mm -hmm. Your friends see the real you often when you can't even see, you know, maybe you're not quite self-aware enough to see past some of those things. Um, So that, that question always makes me laugh because I get a lot of responses. Yeah. We, we've gotten a few too, like, oh, they'd say I'd, um, I'm down to go out anytime with them. (laughs) It's like, that's really not the type of answer that I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, Oh, but no, we, yeah, I had one say, I'm really good at getting girls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good for you, bud. Um, we also, kind of on that and just an experience here, we also asked, what's the biggest misconception about you? Mm. And that's been one that immediately has helped us. Um, you know, if it's an account-based or client-facing role and they say, oh, I come off as shy and not approachable, that for us is like, well, you probably do come off as that, even though you don't, you know, intentionally do that. It, so anyway, it's been really interesting to ask and to see what people say in that. Oh my gosh, I love that question. Absolutely, because then you're also giving them the chance to refute it or to say, "But this is mm-hmm. really who I am." I love that. Right, or what I'm working on, or um, well, just a couple more questions for you, Brooke. And the first is, how do you optimize your day, knowing that every day is super different? Uh, how, uh, it depends. Yeah, it, de- it does depend on the day. Um, typically, I try to exercise at some point in the day, and that's really helpful. Um, it depends on my weekly schedule. I know a lot of people have a routine where they don't break it. You know, it's in the morning or it's at night. I just I can't have that based on my meetings. Um, but it is really consistent. The other thing that I do is I actually schedule all of my meetings, um, typically on two or three days of the week. So then I have two days where I can actually get work completely done. So I will have back to back to back to back meetings a couple days out of the week, but then the next day I will have none. And then that actually allows me to work on the business instead of just being reactive to my schedule. So scheduling those meetings in a back to back way actually gives me so much more free time on the backside um, to do the follow-ups and to work on the business the way that I need to. I love that. That's a good tip. I've been trying to carve out, kind of block off my calendar so nothing can get slotted in with the the calendar invites we send out. Um, but sometimes I find myself, oh, no problem. But I do need to get better about that. Uh, that's a great tip. 
Yes, for sure. Because meetings just take over your entire week. Mm-hmm. And last question, where do you see the company going? So many places. I mean, I have a vision of our logo on a high rise in New York City. So, you know, I eventually want to be um, the largest agency in Atlanta that really focuses on strategy f- first. Uh, I think we have such a good relationship with our clients, too, that it is a very different type of agency. We are family with our clients, and that's really rare. And so one of my biggest struggles has been, how do we maintain that as we scale? And so we're working through things like cohort groups. Um, We call our account managers marketing directors instead of just account managers. And one of the reasons Mm -hmm. is, you know, our our clients are looking for those directors who essentially act as the the traffic monitor who have strategy in mind, but then know the levers to pull in order to get the best results. Uh, And again, that terminology is more of an in-house and less of an agency term. So Mm -hmm. that is the biggest goal is to maintain those relationships as we scale. But uh, I see us in really, really big places. Well, I, I love that. And it's so intentional, just even down to the job title. I mean, that's genius to think through that from from the client side of, you know, if they're calling someone their marketing director, it, it does automatically, it doesn't feel like an agency relationship. So you will be on that New York city skyline. Yeah. I can feel it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for carving out some time to connect. We really appreciate it. Of course. So good to talk to you.